You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hello, hello, a good day to you. Hope you've had a good start to the day. So today we are going to be talking about the fear of repricing. Uh, a very interesting subject. It, it was the subject of my last mentoring session with the Profitable Accountants community where I did a deep dive on how to reprice existing clients. And first and foremost, we started off with the reasons why we need to do it because we know, as accountants, that uh, we often forget, though, that pricing is the most powerful lever in the profit equation. If you find that you are working too hard for too little money, that you are stressed and overwhelmed, that you are struggling with cash flow, that you don't have the profits to invest in additional team members, that you are consumed working in the business, then chances are that your pricing is not on point. And if only you just worked on your pricing and you tweaked your pricing, increased your pricing, then that would allow you to, that would bring in more profit into the business, more cash into the business, allowing you to then invest in additional team members, allowing you therefore to step back and not be so consumed working in the business, doing the technical work, because you can then hire other people to do it for you. It would then provide you with the cash flow that you know you need to to build upon the client delivery, the client experience that you have with uh, that that you can offer to clients. Therefore, increasing your perceived value and therefore the char- the price that you can charge. Invest in your marketing. Have the time out to actually sit down, build a strategy, build a a niche offering, whatever it may be, to give you you know to have the breathing space and the time and energy and money in order to be able to do that. So there's a lot of things that pricing can solve and I often find that it can be the cure for many ills in accounting firms today. So if you're finding that you're suffering from any of those uh, uh, symptoms, any of those problems, then chances are your pricing is the root cause of it. Your pricing not on point, then it does cause any number of these issues and problems. But the good thing is, is that it just takes that one lever. It just takes pricing to be able to fix it. And it is by far and away the most powerful lever because it has the quickest impact on your bottom line. You and I know that there's a number of ways of growing your business, you of getting additional revenue in and additional profit in, getting new customers, selling more to existing customers. But by far and away, the easiest and quickest way to get more cash or more profit onto that bottom line is to increase your prices. But why don't we do it? Sounds so simple, right? We don't do it. The reason why we don't do it is because of a deep and inbuilt fear that we all have within us. We know we need to do it, but we fear that if we increase our prices, then what if the client leaves? What if the client yells at me and, you know, I can't handle that? What if the I get into a really uncomfortable conversation with my client? What if, uh, you know, all number of things that we conjure up in our head on these what-ifs, and that is the main reason why we don't have those conversations, we don't increase prices for our existing clients, even though we need to. We probably have some clients who've been with us for a number of years, and we haven't increased their prices. We probably have some clients where the workload has changed, and we haven't increased their prices. We probably have some clients where we just 
priced too cheaply because we didn't have a clue about pricing when we first started out and now we know that we price based upon value but we haven't got quite round to putting up their prices the reason is this deep-seated fear this fear of rejection and if you're feeling like this then you're not alone because it's inbuilt into each and every one of us because our, you know the our psychology shows that we are actually more fearful of there are two there are two fears that we have as human beings two our overarching fears fear of death and fear of rejection and would you know and would you believe that we're actually more fearful of rejection than we are of death <laughs> I was quite surprised when I read this too and uh, this the, you know they tested this they did this on um, on soldiers in the, you know in the military in the US they found that the soldiers were more than happy to go out on the bottom battlefield and face bullets and risk their lives than they were talking to new recruits to get them on board in the army and the reason being is that they feared the recruits saying no and being rejected by the recruits more than they feared taking bullets in the battlefield so don't be embarrassed don't be shy don't be um you know worried or concerned or feel low about yourself just because you are unable or you feel uncomfortable or you've been procrastinating or you've been putting off having those price increase conversations with your resistant clients it's not you it's everyone it's in each and every one of us we have this deep-seated fear of rejection within us and the reason we have it and it, and it goes back to our ancestral brain so here's a good bit of uh, you know history and biology and psychology for you all in one uh, because it's important to understand this it's important to understand why we feel this way so we can then have that uh, emotional discipline to understand where it's coming from and then most importantly how to overcome it and what to do about it and that's exactly what I went through with uh, my members in the session I did with them yesterday uh, in a much more uh, deeper way with visuals and, and all the rest of it I'm just giving you the, the snippets in the few minutes that we have together on this pod so this uh, going back to the origin the origin of fear the origin of this deep-seated uh, fear that we have and it's not a it's not a psychological fear you know we often think it's up there in our brains but it's not it's actually biologically baked into our DNA because you know 40,000 years ago imagine that you're in a cave okay you're in a cave and you're with this hunter-gatherer community and you know you're you're in the, in, the, in the safety of a cave and you're living in your tribe imagine what happens if you are banished from the tribe if you're banished from the tribe you are so ordinarily you know when you go out hunting there is someone hunting for you when you're banished from the tribe you're all alone you have no safety you have no tribe to uh, save you you have no fire with which to defend yourself against uh, prey or anything like that you have no f uh, support to help you to hunt and to uh, find stuff that's going to keep you alive you have no companionship so it is a very lonely place to be when you are out there all on your own and actually it is when you are banished or when you're away from the tribe you risk death and therefore what happened was over time the uh, the people who managed to avoid conflict to stay within the tribe to uh, you know stayed within that group they're the ones who survived and therefore their gene pool evolved into who we are today so if you if you manage to develop those uh, you know 
ca uh, soci sociological norms and uh, are able to, to work well in a group and stay within a tribe and not go out solo, then you survived. And therefore, this fear of, fear of being rejected by the tribe actually helped us to survive. And therefore, it's biologically baked in our DNA that we have today. And that's why we cooperate as human beings. And that's why, you know, we are we have these social norms and we are socially adept and we work well together. It's because of the fear of being out there all alone, of being rejected by the tribe, that it was worse than death. Banishment from the tribe was worse than death, and therefore we developed biologically this fear of rejection in order to stay alive. And therefore, it's it's, it's baked into our DNA. We all have it. So, you know, don't <coughs> don't knock yourself down. Don't beat yourself up. Don't feel that you know you are lesser or weaker than anybody else. We all have this fear of rejection because it's what helped us keep us alive and helped us to function as human beings today to cooperate in the vast number numbers that we have done to get to where we are in the state of affairs that we are in. So that said, this is the origin of fear that we all have it. Now, what do we do about it? How on earth do we... So on the one hand, it's a double-edged sword, right? On the one hand, it makes us function well as human beings, but on the other, it impedes us from uh, having these uh, important conversations with clients when it comes to price increases. So what do we do about it? Well, really, there's no there's no quick fix. The what, what we need to do about it is really we need to become rejection proof. So first of all, we need to understand that it's biologically baked within us, and then the second thing we need to do is to appreciate that we the only way we're going to become rejection proof is to develop some kind of immunity against rejection. So how do we do that? We're never going to become completely immune to rejection. It's always going to be baked in our DNA. But what we can do is to actually seek out rejection, is to actually appreciate that, you know, what what is actually going to happen, the, the, the self-talk that we have, the worries that we have of what could happen is actually not as bad as the reality. And actually put ourselves into a place where we deliberately seek out rejection in order to be able to develop this immunity against it. And there's a great story I read about a guy called Jia Jiang. Uh, you can check him out on YouTube. He's got a, he's got a TED talk as well where he had the same uh, same fears. And what he did, he's now kind of a, a professor of, uh, um, of of something, you know, neuro, neurophysiology and, uh, you know, how to build, uh, how to be, become rejection proof and all the rest of it. Anyway, very interesting story and very interesting case. He actually went out seeking rejection. So imagine you're sitting at home one day, somebody knocks on the door and it's a well-groomed uh, Chinese man uh, in a football kit and he asks you and you say, can I help you? And he says to you, um, yeah, I'm wondering if you can uh, take a video of me playing football in your back garden. You're going to look at him completely bemused, and there'll be these disruptive emotions going through both yours and his minds. And this is exactly what this guy did, though. He did these. He he went out asking randoms for these really strange requests in order to be able to develop this immunity against rejection. So he would go out and just ask a random stranger for a hundred dollars. Um, he would go out. He went to Krispy Kremes and he asked them to give him a tray of donuts uh, shaped in the as as Olympic rings in the colours of the Olympic rings. He went to a burger restaurant, bought a burger, then went back to the counter and said, "Can I have a burger refill?" And by doing this, he began to build this rejection proof because although initially when someone says no to you you have this kind of fight or flight type um, 
reaction because you know our you know we're, we're nervous we are you know we're scared of the worst happening and therefore when we get this immediate no our emotions are driving then what happens in our bodies is that our you know our, we get our, our, our kind of um, you know uh, uh, in our biology the hormones like adrenaline testosterone cortisol are released into our bloodstream because we're getting ready to fight or flight when that happens though what happens is our intellectual capacity reduces because when we're getting ready to fight to fight or flight we can't function uh, you know the, the you know, our blood goes to uh, the other parts in our brain to help us to fight or flight rather than to keep us uh, you know 100% engaged on using our mental uh, power in order to be able to have a rational conversation so our emotional brain takes over and our rational brain takes second uh, second stage in that process so what he did was so uh, so in his process initially that's what he used to do and then uh, he when he developed that kind of rejection proof over time he was getting a few no's but then over time he got some improbable yeses and what happened was those improbable yeses gave him the confidence to actually hang around a bit more and ask a few more questions if someone said no and they'll say okay well why not or they'd ask him, ask him another question back and then he then he then kind of you know have a conversation with them because in our minds we often think the something a lot worse is going to happen and people are going to react in a lot worse way than they actually do so and that because that's our emotional brain and our, our anxiety and our worry taking over about what the worst could happen because we have this negativity bias than about the positives so he found that he was getting improbable yeses and then they then turned into this virtuous loop of confidence where he got evidence that some people were saying yes so if some people were saying yes then others might say yes so then he would be more you know he, he would have this more assertive uh, confident calm style and that then just and then he, and, and by doing that then he was able to build up more confidence to have you know to, uh, to seek out even more uh, absurd and ridiculous requests and then get more yeses as a return and over time he developed this kind of rejection proof nature because he went out seeking rejection now I'm not saying we go out and do these random things but even but the the point of this is that first of all it's not going to be as bad as you think it's going to be you're not going to have as many clients that will leave you when you put up your prices and if you actually work the numbers and I gave my members a tool an excel model I created to actually put in there put in your P&L your turnover your profit your uh, uh, to work out your gross profit and then your uh, overheads and then what your current profit is and then we put a model in to say if you increase your prices across the board by X percentage so let's say you did a 25-30% increase what percentage of turnover and clients could you afford to lose in order for this price increase to become unviable i.e. for this price increase to leave you in a lot worse position than you are in now and more often than not you find it's a lot you can afford to lose a lot more clients in order for you to still remain break even so for example depending on what your gross profit margin is if you increase your price by 25% you think oh my god you know maybe maybe 10 15% or 20 maybe even 20% of my clients will leave that's a big chunk but actually when you put the numbers through nearly 40% of your clients could walk out the door 40% of your turnover could drop for you to still be in the same position that you are in now so once you realize and actually crunch the numbers to give you that confidence that actually yes it's not as bad as I think even if some clients leave that's fine and some clients do need to leave because you're too cheap and they're the ones that absorb most of your resources and therefore you need to you know if clients leave that's great it's a good thing they're creating capacity for more clients to come on board 
so you know you give yourself this this kind of you know rationalize the uh the process so that this negative self-talk goes away and you replace it with positive self-talk. So the only way we're going to build this immunity is by actually having those conversations. But the reason why we don't have those conversations is because A, okay, we've got this fear, but if we can get around this fear by actually just doing it once or twice and then those conversations going well, they will give us evidence of success. When we have that evidence of success, that will then create this virtuous loop for us to give us the confidence, to build the confidence, to go and do more of them. But the other thing we need, so one is the mindset piece that we talked about, and the other thing we need also is a system. If we don't have a system, then again, we're going to be, we're not going to be prepared. So what I said yesterday in my uh, session to everyone, was that, and we went through in this uh, three-step repricing framework, which I've talked about on the podcast before, is that we need to stop worrying and start preparing. We need to have a system in place. So one, we work on our mindset. So the whole fear of rejection and how to overcome it and become rejection proof and all the rest of it. And, you know, looking at your self-talk and your brain and the fact that you are, your feelings are governed by your thoughts. That's a big one as well. If you think about it, every emotion that you have, every worry, every anxiety, everything that you stress about comes from your thoughts. So if you change your thoughts, if you tell your brain to bring you another thought when you're thinking like this, then you will change the way you feel. The reason why you're feeling anxious and stressed and nervous about these repricing conversations is because you're telling yourself that bad things could happen, like clients could leave and I could be left with nothing and I'll have no cash flow and all the rest of it. Change that self-talk to more positive outcomes to say, well, actually, what if they do say yes? What if that, uh, you know, how much extra cash could I have in my bank as a result of all these clients saying yes? And even if these clients say no, then it's still fine. I'm still going to be better off change the self-talk and we went through a number of examples to show to members of the profitable accountants community as to what is possible when this happens and I shared many cases of other accountants just like them and just like you who have undergone this pricing exercise how they felt before how what they did and the result they got and the result they got then spurred them and gave them more confidence to be able to go through the whole uh, uh, pricing uh, whole client base and reprice clients to to the extent of you know in some cases you know doubling tripling their fees in one, one case we you know one of my members got an absolutely outstanding fee went from uh, 5k a month to 15,000 a month that's a 180,000 pound fee £180,000 fee for a sole practitioner with a handful of employees. Imagine the difference in your life if you got those kind of results. And you absolutely can. Follow the process. The right mindset and the right system to follow, which is the three-part repricing framework. So we need to stop worrying and start preparing. And I went through what that three-part repricing framework was in a very quick nutshell, because I'm right at the gym, so I've got to go, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's to come up with the pricing structure first. We need to have a pricing system. And I shared my pricing system. I went through how I've got my pricing system set up. What are the perks of being in the profitable accountants community that you can access to my pricing system? The one that I use in my pricing software, together with other uh, three package pricing templates that you can use if you're not using the same software that I use, which uh, I suppose you know by now, Go Proposal, um, because it's been mentioned on this podcast already. So that's the first thing we need to have a pricing system because that then allows us to give different prices to different customers I talked about the internal drivers of price the external drivers of price how to put that all together how to uh, put questions into your pricing system to take account of the client's scope the client's preferences the client's uh, uh, the, the 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 client the client's risk profile the the complexity of the client's affairs. This is how we build that pricing system to give different customers different prices, and that's how we know whether clients are pre- paying us our right price or not. 
if we don't have a pricing system, we're just guessing. We're just estimating. So this allows you to put your clients through the system that you have to work out which are the ones that need repricing or not. And then once you've done that, then you do a gap analysis. What should, having put all my clients through this system that I've come up with, that new clients are paying, what I run my clients through it and what should they be paying versus what they are paying. That's my gap analysis. So what is the gap between what they should be paying versus what they are paying? Once I've seen the gap and I've seen how much money I've left on the table, then I can start now tackling each of the clients one by one by approaching them to have those conversations. And then we talked about when is it right to have an in-person conversation, when can we have an email, uh, when we can send the um, uh, increase over email. Obviously, it's always preferable to have a, a repricing conversation in person, but there are occasions when it can be done by email when you know maybe the price increase isn't as much or we're not really bothered about the client leaving us anyway. So, you know, and again, I shared some templates and scripts that I've used as well to good effect to help my members to quickly action the price increases. And we are running a February repricing challenge as well for the community where everyone gets involved and uh, makes this a month where they can focus on repricing in order to be able to generate that extra cash and extra profit into the bank um, and through the you know the support of, of the community and also with a bit of healthy camaraderie and accountability on the repricing challenge. So if you're not already in the community, if you're not, or have not already a member of the pack, what are you waiting for? Come and join the pack. I look forward to seeing you soon. Hopefully you got some value from that. If you haven't, uh, uh, if you haven't already, you know you need to overcome that fear, develop uh, obstacle immunity, develop that rejection-proof immunity you have. Uh, and the only way you do that is by going out there, by doing it, and that'll give you the confidence to do more, but making sure you have a system in place that allows you to gauge what price to charge so that you are able to go out there and uh, and put clients through without uh, without guesstimating. And then you have a system that allows you to then reprice uh, every year thereafter, at least once a year, if not more frequently, depending on when the client circumstances change. Okay, well, take care. I hope that was useful, and I'll catch you on the next episode. All the best. Bye for now. I hope you got value from that episode. And if you want to spend more time together, where we go deeper on topics like pricing, marketing, sales, building a team and processes so you can build a firm that is less reliant on you, then come and join the TYP Mentoring Community. It's my membership program where I deliver practical mentoring sessions from my personal experience of building my practice and share resources that I have created and use in my firm so you don't have to reinvent the wheel and waste time and money making mistakes like I did. There's an amazing community of 100 plus accountants that you get to meet every week, share challenges, best practices, and use the power of the group to shortcut your learnings. Go to resahuda.com forward slash mentoring to find out more. Thank you for listening. For more free content, videos, and resources, visit www.rezahuda.com. And if you haven't already, come and join the community in our Transform Your Profits Facebook group, where we support each other to build more successful, profitable, and impactful accounting firms.